Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is uh, Patrick and besides me I have Michael. And uh, today we're going to be talking about dark tourism and uh, a more specific case of uh, Scampia. So uh, first I'm just going to explain a little bit of uh, about what is dark tourism. So dark tourism is uh, also known as grief tourism, thena tourism or black tourism. And uh, it refers to the practice of visiting sites and attractions that are associated with death, suffering, tragedy, or other dark and macabre aspects of human history. These destinations often have a historical or cultural significance due to the events such as war, natural disasters, acts of terrorism, genocide, crime, or accidents. One of the earliest definitions of dark tourism uh, was defined by authors John Lennon and Malcolm Foley, uh, who defined dark tourism as the representation of inhuman acts and how these are interpreted uh, for visitors. In a more recent publication, uh, author Kevin Fox Gotham defines dark tourism as the circulation of people to places characterized by distress, atrocity or sadness and pain. Uh, as a more specific component of dark tourism, disaster tourism denotes situations where the tourism product is generated within and from the aftermath of a major disaster or traumatic event. In dark tourism, uh, it can be defined by a spectrum where in one end we have the darkest aspects of dark tourism and the other end the lighter aspects. On the darkest end of the spectrum, we have serious or extreme dark tourism, where the activities often involve an educational element, learning about the specific dark tourism destination. This end is often associated with a more authentic experience, where a tourist visits an actual historical site or can speak with the people who has been affected or directly involved. Tourists could be traveling to disaster sites to provide help and relief, as an example. The other end of the spectrum tends to be more commercialized, where a tragic disaster or event has been commodified and present a more romanticized version of the events that has transpired, where the intention for the tourist is uh, more to have fun rather than actually be educated. For example, uh, the London dungeons where people can be found laughing and joking because of several of London's uh, darkest moments in history has made, been made into a theme park with rides uh, where the height restrictions imitates people being hung uh, and plays and escape rooms depicting these events are also present. There is also a more grey aspect of uh, dark tourism where an example could be uh, the the city of Vokuda in Russia where the gulags from this former Soviet Union has been turned into an experience for tourists. The experience presents an opportunity for the visitors to become prisoners for a day so that they may experience how life was in these prison camps. One of the more common destinations for dark tourism is Auschwitz, which is a concentration death camp in Poland, which is a a very popular uh, site to visit if you want to know more about the Holocaust and for Holocaust tourism as well. Uh, another place is uh, Chernobyl, uh, which is a nuclear disaster which happened uh, in 1986 near the city of Pripyat, uh, where the ec- explosion of Reactor 4 happened um, at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant. It gained popularity due to the TV series Chernobyl, and uh, some parts of the Chernobyl power plant is still dangerous to enter to this day, so it's only uh, guided tours where you can visit. 
Another example could be Pompeii, which is a Roman city near the modern city of Naples, which was uh, destroyed in 79 CE by the Mount Vesuvius eruption. Uh, and due to the swift burial of uh, the city, it was uh, preserved for centuries before being discovered in the late 16th century. Dark tourism has received uh, increased attention in recent years due to the popularity of TV shows like Chernobyl and now the Netflix uh, documentary The Dark Tourist. And it has become a more recent topic uh, among uh, academic circles, uh, uh, most notably because of its critiques and uh, assessment of associated impacts, which Michael will uh, touch on a little bit more. All right, so now that thanks to Patrick, uh, we know more about what dark tourism is and more or less where it is performed, some of you may be wondering why would anyone want to do that? When we think about tourism and going on vacations, we might think about uh, going to a nice island, an all-inclusive resort, exploring interesting cities or a beautiful nature. Then why would someone choose places so dark with such tragic history over pure relaxation and indulgence? So uh, Anna Farmaki published a study in 2013 where she goes through different researchers' points of view on dark tourism, uh, motivations, um, and uh, why people would want to do that. Uh, she concludes that some dark tourists visit those sites out of curiosity. Uh, they wonder uh, what death is, they contemplate it, and they are thinking about the end of life and having some existential questions. Others may do it because of compassion and a sense of responsibility to learn about those places and the events that happened there. A very impo important factor could also be an identity search or some sort of nationalistic motivations, perhaps connected to some war events. However, she also mentions entertainment as one of those factors. And I think this is when we can talk about how dark tourism can actually be controversial in many ways. We might think about Auschwitz concentration camp uh, that Patrick mentioned before as an example. I have been there on a school trip myself, just like many other Polish students, simply because it is a very important part of our history. It's a very tragic one, but nonetheless, it is worth learning about and educating young people on the tragic past with hope that they will do their best to not let the world become like that again. I think for most visitors this place is a historical site, maybe they lost a family member there, so it is a place where you can feel a deep meditation on what happened there. However, from time to time you can see a story in the news saying that someone was taking selfies doing a Nazi salute, which is illegal in Poland by the way, he was heavily fined for doing that. Or you can see someone trying to balance walking on the railroads that in fact are a symbol of many people's last steps in their lives. It is simply disrespectful and harmful for many people, the local community, or others that were touched by the tragedy that happened there. As a next example, many of you probably heard about Logan Paul. He is a famous American YouTuber, and in 2017 he decided to visit the Aokigahara forest in Japan, which is supposedly known for a very large number of people ending their lives there. During his visit, what we can see on the video he first uploaded on the platform, uh, he found a body of a man that ended his life recently. You might have thought that he would reflect a bit on his finding, maybe have a deep thought in his mind about uh, what just happened. But no, Logan decided not only to upload the video of the event, but also used it as a clickbait to gain more views on his video. 
I think to say that people were outraged is not enough. Such actions uh, put dark tourism in a very bad light because it proves to the opponents of it that it is disrespectful and completely insensitive. Uh, now that we know what dark tourism is, what it can entail, and um, the effects of it, uh, we are going to uh, move on to our next part, uh, where we will talk about a destination that attracts dark tourists for many reasons. Also those motivated by pop culture, which our guest will mention. We will see if and why uh, dark tourism can be controversial in this case, how it reflects on the local community, and if there's any hope to make it ethical. Today our guest is Luigi D'Ambrosio. Luigi is an associate professor at University College of Northern Denmark in Aalborg. He teaches in the International Hospitality Management and Sports Management programs. He is also the owner of his own company that promotes local produce from Campi Flegre, Italy, in Denmark. For the purpose of today's podcast, not only is uh, he a tourism educator and passionate, but also a native Neapolitan. Born and raised just outside Naples, Italy, he is a big passionate and an ambassador of his home region. Luigi has an enormous knowledge on the destination that we will focus on in today's episode, which is Campia, a suburban neighborhood of Naples, but why and how fascinating it is, we will let our guest talk about. I thought we could uh, just uh, start out with uh, you giving us a brief history of uh, Scampia and uh, yes. what, uh, what it is. Yeah, Scampia is one of the neighborhoods in, uh, in the city of Naples. It's located in the north northern outskirts of the city. And Scampia means literally uh, in the countryside. It used to be a green area. Uh, with uh, apple trees, uh, so a rather uh, peaceful and green area before um, it was urbanized. Um, that happened after the Second World War, and it's very much, very intensively uh, between the 17th and the 90s, uh, from last century, right? So uh, it's become a highly urbanized area where people from the city of Naples, from the center of the city of Naples and other areas in uh, the province of Naples moved to. And it was was conceived as a new residential area uh, that was supposed to um, be a welcoming area with theaters, cinemas, schools, but that never happened, unfortunately. So it became something else with, with time. And um, it was an area that was supposed to be developed with social housing. So there is a law in Italian or in Italy called the 167 uh, law for public for social housing. And so lots of the buildings of the houses were built uh, after that law uh, was uh, um, what is called was uh, accepted. Or, yeah, and um, so you know it was cheap housing, uh, affordable housing uh, for for people that. Uh, uh, couldn't afford to stay, for example, in, this, in, this, in the center of the city of Naples. Um, so it, it, there were good intentions with uh, that neighborhood that never really uh, were uh, applied into reality, so to speak. Uh, it became something else, as I, as I was saying before. And uh, especially Scampia developed into what the locals say Europe's biggest drug marketplace which is a very sad side, side turn that the neighborhood took eventually. 
Um, when we were on a study trip, um, we visited a particular area of the neighborhood, which are called the Sales. Um, there used to be seven of these rows of sail-shaped uh, buildings, and now there are just a few of them left. The other ones have been turned down. And um, that is very symptomatic of what Scampia has become, or had become, with, with, you know, through the years. Um, because initially those sail-shaped buildings, just to go back to the intentions, the initial intentions with Scampia, were constructed in a way that uh, people used to live across each other to resemble the narrow streets in the center of the city of Naples, so to make them feel at home in a way. Uh, but the money that, that were invested never were used for, you know, to, to buy the uh, best quality materials or, uh, you know, the, I think lots of money were saved and they went somewhere else that it was intended to. So it turned out to be something else in the end. So it developed into uh, some sort of headquarters for the organized crime, these sales ship buildings, because it was very easy to hide uh, the drugs in the basement or to recruit uh, families living in the in this ship in sales ship buildings to and use them as sellers uh, or as uh, uh, watchtowers, you know, to keep an eye on whether the police were coming or not to. Uh, uh, to have it, you know, to, to make a raid of the area. Um, so it turned into really, you know, a base headquarters of the organized crime. And that's developed through the years. Um, so you have, imagine an area which is lawless, right? You, you, you need to imagine an, quite a big area, actually, which is completely lawless. Um, the police, you know, don't go there. Uh, so there's no control. The state is completely absent. The municipality, uh, the mayor, you know, uh, very rarely show their face. So the residents are left on their own. Um, so you have organized crime. So families that are criminal that are taking over and manage to take over the area. And in the notice, uh, the area become very, um, you know, it, it was uh, notorious for the um, mafia mafia-related uh, wars. They were called wars because there were people killing each other. Uh, many people got killed. Uh, most of them were people related to the organized crime, uh, to the you know to the criminal families. But there were also innocent victims of uh, uh, this mafia mafia wars. Um, so it, be, it became a battlefield, and uh, that draws that, that drew the attention of the media. So at one point it became too much. So I mean the the state or the political institutions couldn't turn their face to the other side anymore. So they had to face the problem, and then the the neighborhood were, you know was being written about by um, a um, uh, an Italian uh, criminal author called Roberto Saviano, who wrote a book about Scampia, or at least not only Scampia but the organized crime in the area and. Uh, uh, Scampia was the center of that story in a way. And then a film came that was built on the book, and then a series came that was based that was based on the film and on the book. So it became one of the most narrated areas, suddenly in Europe, um, which, in a way, had a positive effect that you know turned the attention towards the area. Um, the um, the criminal hierarchies or the criminal should we say institutions as they were before were uh, debellished 
so it wasn't a, it wasn't a stronghold anymore as it used to be. Um, but at the same time, made the area very attractive to people who want to wanted to see what is this place about, right? I mean, this place that people are writing about. We've seen the series on TV, on HBO, you know, uh, people killing each other on the street. It's really like that. Uh, so that started a movement of uh, curious tourist travelers or maybe invaders. It depends on who you ask, right? How they are portrayed and defined. Coming to the area. And that also raised a question among the locals. I mean, are we suddenly animals in a zoo? Or what's, what, what's going on here? Are these people really interested in our story or do they just want to see our miserable conditions? Yeah. So, so that's, I hope, yeah. quite shortly the story, the story <laughs> yeah. of Scampia. That's great. Yeah. So Scampia is not just the organized crime. There was also regular families living there, regular people. Very much. So <clears throat> how do you think they were affected by everything that was happening there? Uh, how did it change their life mm. conditions? And maybe they are still living through this trauma, even though yeah. it happened 20 years ago, almost. Mm. 2004, I think, was <clears throat> the yeah. biggest feud. So how, that, how does it still affect them? Mm. I mean, I have one, one, one part of me can imagine it, one part of me can actually, you know, understand it quite well, because I'm, I'm not from Scampia, but I'm from the Bay of Naples. So I, I still have a close relationship to the area. Um, and I'm quite sure that these people, this, the local residents, you know, the regular residents that weren't involved in criminal activities, they were simply, you know, victims of the organized crime, meaning that they, their freedom of uh, uh, conducting a regular life was deprived uh, because they were, in a way, kept hostage of the criminal activities. So imagine living in a building, uh, let's say, seven-floor uh, building, and you need to ask for permission to enter your own, you know, building because there are people selling drugs, okay? So you can't just do it whatever you want. So you are simply a victim, right? And if you shut it out, no one, no one is listening. So I can imagine it was, you know, it's very, it's been very difficult for the local residents, for the regular citizens of the of the neighborhood, to conduct normal life. So that's one uh, consequence of, of it. Yeah. Um, so so why do you think that uh, people are will willing to to visit Scambia? To mm. Oh. Yeah. I think if we ask a psychologist, there's something in our in human beings that is, you know, that makes us attracted to evil, to evil, to tragedies, you know, to uh, blood, war, anything that's in a way um, rather uh, macabre or you know, uh, should we say, yeah, evil related. Um, I think especially in communities where that is not part of uh, uh, society, like you know, if we say Denmark. Okay, it's a very safe country. Uh, obviously, there are activities related to organized crime, but they're still very much underground, and uh, they ha- they uh, haven't invaded the texture of everyday society yet. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but anyway, Albert <laughs> <laughs> yet was was a bit pessimistic, but still, you know, that's how it is today. So, uh, if we take Northern Europe as a general context, then you might think that uh, it becomes attractive as an area because you want to see what that thing is about. You know, how can you have um, evil-minded people living uh, 
regularly without any trouble, conducting their criminal activities in the daylight. What's that about? I think there's a that might appeal to um, the need of wanting to, or the curiosity of people wanting to see the other side of life. Mm-hmm. And having a place on Earth in Europe, so very close to you, that has that, uh, makes a place like Campia suddenly a very interesting tourist destination or attraction. And do you think that pop culture maybe affected it a bit? Like very you said, much, uh, yes, Saviano's book and exactly. then uh, the movie and the series probably exactly. made it more popular. Exactly. That's that's what that's what books and films and you know pop culture can do mm-hmm. on the positive side and on the negative side. Suddenly the area became became very attractive, very interesting, uh, and it became a product, a tourist product, you know, uh, from different perspectives and. Um, if you've seen it all, or if you if you're a bit tired of the regular tourism products, you know the three S sort of tourism or mass tourism, or if you want, you know, if you, if you want to see something which is rather bizarre or alternative, then Scampia uh, or places like Scampia, because it, it's not just Scampia, but it's places that have that alternative, dodgy, edgy products. They become rather suddenly um, an attraction. Uh, you can talk about fashion and trend as well. Uh, it's become, as you were saying, it's become quite trendy nowadays to to see places where um, a massacre has taken place or death or death-related t- uh, activities have taken place. Um, but you know, it's 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 a place which has been very much narrated, and I think that has. Uh, raising the attention, the curiosity of uh, regular people uh, in Europe to, to go and see what the fuss was about. Also to see, is this really like people, you know, like it's been portrayed in this, in the first in the, in the HBO series, uh, Gomorrah. Yeah. Uh, is that Naples, right? Uh, because people also that I've talked, that I've talked to, they thought that when you go to Naples, that's what you see, right? So that's also one Consequence. One of the consequences of uh, pop culture that it creates images in in people's head, and those images are very difficult to change unless you see it yourself. Yeah, I think that's that's a very important aspect because I have been on the trip with you to to Naples and to Scampia as well, and uh, you can see on the buildings that uh, the local community is expressing that they they do not agree with this portrayal of of their community. Exactly. Uh, you can see uh, writings that we are not organized crime, we are against the death tourism. Mm. So I think this is a very important aspect of dark tourism to understand that the local community does not always want that in, in their area. Exactly. Also because it's, it is not sustainable. It is not economic sustainable. It is not socially sustainable. Because um, who gets something out of it? Uh, in terms of uh, uh, you know, uh, in terms of finances, in terms of uh, financial benefits, uh, it is not the local residents. Uh, it might be some tour guides or some uh, bureaus, agencies that organize trips to Scampia. That's it, pretty much. The way we've done it, we've tried to do it more economically sustainable, buying sandwiches from a local baker that had been threatened by the organized crime, and uh, contributing to the. Well, to, to the local association that was helping kids and women in, in danger in the area. So that's that's a way to do it more sustainably, but I'm quite sure that the problem... I mean, 
the these writings on the on the buildings and their resistance uh, by the local residents is mainly because you have people that are very curious and treat them as animals in the zoo. So they they have had a feeling, especially the journalists. They uh, in Scampia they uh, don't like journalists. Uh, it's like a general opinion because they they've gone there not not to understand. They've gone there to judge and to show misery. Okay, and that is not. What the, I mean, imagine having so much need to shout things out and say, come here, you know, listen to our story. Someone has to do something about this. So you want exposure in a way that uh, the local institutions can suddenly listen to you. But many journalists went there just to, once again, show the misery of the local residents to, you know, for audience reasons and not really to understand their the, the pain they were going through. Yeah. It's uh, it's often a, a big uh, debated issue in uh, mm-hmm. dark tourism that how how do you make something is ethical, you know how how do we make a trip to, for example, Scampia yeah. ethical? Yes. How how would you uh, say you could make it uh, ethical yeah. so that the locals doesn't feel like they're being commodified? Yeah, in my in my uh, case, I've been there uh, three or four times with uh, the students and also with my uh, students at the Italian classes uh, at the FOF. What I've done, and maybe you recall that Miguel, I've uh, tried to inform, to prepare the audience or the group of visitors to say, well, we're going to a special place, so you need to pay attention to how you approach it and how you behave. Meaning that you know it, it is not a Disneyland; it's a place where people live. And we don't go there to uh, sort of, you know, to uh, showcase uh, their uh, their everyday life and the problems that they face. Once again, I use the word misery because that's what they, what they use as well on themselves or um, what is called the other word uh, squalor, right? Squalor and misery. Um, it's it's not you know just to get a kick out of it for for our own personal need uh, or entertainment. It's to try to understand. Why do we have such a place in Europe today? What happened that has led to Scampia becoming what's become? So try to prepare the, the visitors, the travelers. Yeah, more appealing to their traveler side than tourist side. Or, uh, so looking at them as uh, genuinely curious people that want to understand the local, um, uh, the locals' everyday life and the local problems and uh, once again the challenges and the opportunities also because i mean it wasn't just focus on the negative aspects or on the bleak side of scampia but also on the you know having an optimistic uh, side to see okay there are people actually that do something here that fight on an everyday basis to change things no, local heroes we can call them but let's also listen to them what's their story what do they do to change things because it, it is possible, you know, to change things. You might not change the whole, uh, the whole uh, spectrum of problems, but you can still do something. And if it, if it if it is a small something, it's still something more than zero and mm-hmm. more than nothing. So we, I think, if you remember that, we 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 have this positive approach to Scampia. Uh, but obviously, you know, it's a very strong experience, uh, very emotionally strong experience. So when you hear. Uh, people being, you know, innocent victims that got killed in the in during this ma- mafia wars. Uh, you can't be untouched. You can't stay untouched. So it is a strong experience. Uh, so in a way, there is some something that uh, uh, recall, you know, something that calls for a um, a very uh, sensitive 
um, approach to to the neighborhood. So you, if you're detached from what you're listening and what you're seeing, then you're not the the right audience. So you need to be prepared by someone who's taking you there. That it's it's, it's a special experience. It's a strongly you know, it's a strong emotional experience. So you you it's not you go when you go to a museum and uh, you you look at paintings that. Can also be very very strong experience, but uh, on a different side, right, on a different level. Um, but it, it also depends on the audience. Once again, I think before you take someone there, if 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 I if if I have to do it again, and I will do it again, I will always prepare my students or my visitors to Scampia. I will, I will not just go there. Uh, it can also be a quite quite a shocking experience. So you also need to once again think about the visitors. So it's not just about the residents; it's also about the visitors. You want you need to prepare them. You also you also need to be sure that they can handle it. Um, as I write in, the, in this article I wrote, that you know I trusted my my Italian class students to go there; that they wouldn't be just judging or they wouldn't be you know shocked to an extent that they will just just want to leave, right? So you need to somehow trust that the audience is. Uh, Willing to uh, understand what they're seeing, but also uh, able to handle the situation. Yeah. So, from what I understand, it's a, it's both a education beforehand, research about the the place and yes. the, about the circumstances that the, mm. the locals have experiences, um, uh, and also understanding and uh, trying to see it from their perspective um, to yeah exactly to kind of exactly understand them. As well, I as think people. understand is a key word. Yeah, right. You, 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 I mean, how should we say when you go when you stroll around uh, a shopping street in the city in the in the central area of the city, you can relax. You know, you can think about something else. You know, you have very many recognizable cues, brands, and products, items. Uh, um, so you can turn down the level of cultural sensitivity because it, maybe it's not necessary. When you go to a place like this, you need to be a different type of traveler. Or you need to uh, at least turn on on some characteristics of yours that uh, will allow you to understand what you're seeing. So it's a very strong product okay, that uh, requires a lot of the traveler and requires a lot of the tour organizer. Okay? It also requires a lot of the people hosting the group. Because we had a guy called Chiro Corona that uh, was uh, um, he is the founder of uh, the Resistenza Association. And uh, what I noticed many times, now I've been talking to him and I've been on, on this tour, I think it's three times in total. He seems very de- detached when he tells the stories. Like, you know, it's like he's telling you, okay, I went to the grocery store and then I bought, you know, a liter of milk and bread. And that's, it. That, that's the way he tells the stories. Right? And you think, what are you saying, really? Are you, are you really say, saying that? And, you know, what are, what are your emotions? And in a way, you know, I've. At one point, I sort of misunderstood him. I thought, how cynical are you, right? How cold are you? Uh, but then I thought, well, this guy has to be like that. He can't, he can't allow himself to be emotional. Because if he's too emotional, he's never going to you know, fight the way he's fighting against the everyday challenges. And also, uh, he, has to, he has to process these stories in a way that he's able to tell about them. So I, 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 that's why, you know, I don't know if he has thought about that, if he's thought about the way he tells the stories, Chiro, but I thought, I tried to put myself into his shoes, that, um, 
is simply communicating some facts, some you know events and facts that happened in in Scambia in a very relaxed way. Uh, so I, you know, if I had to give him an, an advice, I will tell him you know try to be aware of what you're doing because you might convey some carelessness that you don't want to convey when you tell the stories. Uh, so that side is also important. So because um, once again, it's all about the product. The product here, I call it product in terms of you know tourism experience because it's still an experience, uh, not not necessarily in the commercial sense, but it's still a very strong experience. So since it is a special experience, you need to be aware of how you convey it, how you tell it, how you receive that that you know the story, uh, and um, yeah. So um, all, all parts involved so should should somehow be aware of what the, what they are trying to understand or convey. I don't know if that makes sense. If I completely had to perfect turn, but well, we actually yeah. under, uh, you answered. Um, my question also like that it's very important to have the local people who are willing to present the, the truth to the tourists yeah. because when i was uh, doing a little bit of research for our interview today i saw online a lot of tours uh, just titled mafia tour exactly. or gomorra tour exactly. or something. so then it becomes a really just a commodified product exactly and that's what the local residents hate you know don't like they really you know uh, they get angry, they get upset. Because imagine, you know, it's a stigma to be connected. I mean, if you have nothing to do with it, you know, if you have any, if you have no uh, story or connection to the mafia and you're so tired of it because you're trying to move on, but that stigma still stays with you. That label of being, you know, a mafia neighborhood stays with you. It's, it's even, you know, commodified and strengthened. And obviously I can understand why they're so upset. And they say, well, don't come here. And that's why when we were there with good intentions, we are still perceived as a group of uh, maybe nosy tourists that just want to get a kick out of being in Scampia on, that, on one of these mafia tours. Because I mean, the local residents don't know who we are, to be honest, right? Maybe the fact that we are with Chiro might, might you know, uh, testify the fact that we are there uh, with, with good intentions, but it's, it's, not, it's not a guarantee. Um, so Chiro is one thing. Then you have the local residents, people that you know don't get anything out of it. They're just there, and suddenly they have to deal with uh, travelers or tourists, invaders that are there in their neighborhood, and their position is uh, fairly different than Chiro's position. Yeah. Uh, I can really see why they, the locals, they they're tired of being viewed as a product because mm. when I also did a little bit of research and when I looked through, uh, for example, YouTube, yeah. it was only about going through the uh, most dangerous Napel, yeah. uh, Napel, uh, Naples uh, neighborhood. Um, yeah. And it was not really about the locals. It was not about the story. It was just about visiting the place just to say you've visited exactly. a, a mafia hub, yeah. so to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've been there, done that. Yeah. And also, you know, once again, people keep talking about it. It becomes some sort of, you know, stage of liberty or the Eiffel Tower. You know, you have to see these places. But do I? Do you know why? Who built the the Eiffel Tower? You know, why is why is it there? What about the stage of liberty? No, you just want a picture of it. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's what the locals, the, the local residents don't like, don't want. And I I can easily understand it. Yeah, it's very very rightfully so that yeah. they they hate it. Yeah. 
if we <coughs> were to visit Scambia, mm-hmm. how should we go about it? Mm. Well, it's I would I would advise you to book uh, a tour with, uh, for example, Chiro, or to find a tour guide if it's, if if not Chiro to find a. Uh, a local who's really interested in showing you Scampia uh, inside out and not to show you a commodified tourist product. Um, so I will do my research. Yeah. Uh, I will use my network to say, uh, do you know anyone that does these kind of tours? Because I don't want to just gaze at their misery and challenges in everyday life. Because, I mean, one thing must also, must also be understood. Now we talk about the sail ship buildings, and they're like you know the epicenter of this squalor and misery. But you also have regular buildings all around the the sail ship buildings. Um, and when you arrive to Skopje, if you do it by train, you will get off the station, which is actually one of the art metro stations uh, in, in in Naples. So it's a very beautiful station, to be honest. You know, if you consider where you are. And then you go get out of the station and uh, slowly you enter the, the area. But you, you walk through what I will define a rather normal uh, street with buildings on both sides and shops on both sides. Uh, before you see the sales ship buildings uh, ahead of you and think, what the hell is that, right? Uh, especially when you approach the sales ship buildings, you, you really see how, um, should we say, how um, yeah, in how poor conditions these buildings are. Uh, that's like an understatement to say poor conditions, yeah. abandoned, right? Yeah. yeah, I can I can actually say that I I had this experience. Yeah. I I can confirm it because I remember just getting off the train and thinking this is just a normal neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We went to a, a coffee shop to yeah. buy coffee, and then we saw really nice buildings um, and then like you said we moved a little bit closer to the sales and then uh, you, we actually got inside and then you can see mm. what uh, what they actually yeah. look like and yeah. how how difficult the conditions are there right yeah. now yeah. and that's that's the the, the the strong one of the strong yeah. experiences right uh, uh, there are different levels or different uh, encounters with the, uh, the uh, uh, or should we say different highly emotional encounters in Scampio. The sales are one of uh, definitely one of these strongly emotional encounters. Uh, and then the the uh, Officina delle Culture, so the um, what's it called? The uh, the workshop, the culture the culture the workshop of cultures is called uh, translated. Uh, where Chiro tells stories also about Gelsomina, the girl that got killed, right? Uh, the innocent victim. Uh, th- that's also a very strong story. And then he has uh, volunteers, actually inmates, that work for the workshop for him voluntarily. And that's also a strong story because um, it's people that have made mistakes in their life. Who knows what, what they've done? Uh, but um, they are in a transformational phase. And uh, uh, it also requires a lot of you to understand, not to judge them. When you when you see them, you know, sweeping around outside or uh, helping, giving a hand one way or the other. Um, should I be afraid of them? I mean, you you are confronted with you know this uh, this non ordinary uh, stories and encounters. I mean, whenever do when when do you meet an inmate uh, suddenly next to you? Because they are still 
they are still uh, doing their um, what is it called? Um, they are still paying paying the price, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think it's very good that Chiro adds it to the tour because it shows that there are still people who want a better future for this mm -hmm. area that still yeah. want to fight and uh, yeah, do something good with their life. Yeah, yeah. So that's, it was very touching to go there as well, to see that, um, yes, the, the neighborhood has a history, mm -hmm. but there's also a future for them. Yeah, so. exactly. And also how the bleak past is being, is, has been used to create art. I don't know if you remember that there were projectiles mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. things that would have been uh, digged, uh, digged up, you know, during the uh, the cleaning of the, the workshop mm -hmm. building uh, that were transformed. I don't, know, I don't remember by whom, but they were transformed into um, artistic pieces mm -hmm. uh, that were hanging around. That's also a way not to forget what happened there. Because it used to be a school, and then it became a place for drug addicts to 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 meet, and it was completely abandoned when they um, when they sort of you know cleaned it and turned it into what it is today, a place for artisans to to meet and to, uh, they have yoga classes for uh, women living in the area, for example, Pilates yoga classes. Um, so it's like a cultural hub or a center of hope, you could say, for the. For the people in the area, but um, I, I think it's interesting not to forget what happened and to to have that in mind to say, okay, look, what we were and what we don't want to be in the future, and also to integrate the past in the in the uh, in the attempt by visitors to understand the place. So I think it's a very complicated. Uh, you know, you, you ask me how should we visit Campia if you want to go and visit Campia. I will definitely do it with someone that can help me understand what I see. Otherwise, you know, it's like going to, I don't know if you know Pompeii, uh, yeah. different story, but still quite similar. Because if you don't go with a guide, it's just ruins, yeah. just bricks. Okay, obviously, some of the buildings are better kept, so you see the frescoes, but otherwise it's just ruins, and you don't get the feeling of what you're seeing. It's a, if you draw the a parallel to Scampia, you know, you, you just see buildings that are in very poor conditions, but uh, what's the story behind that? Why does it look like that? Why, what was Saviano writing about, right? And uh, understanding also pop culture and dramatization of um, what happened in Scampia and real, you know, everyday life. Yeah. Or you can, you can also choose to go on your own. I don't know how, that, how good an idea that is, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And also how much you are actually going to see yeah, and understand exactly. of what's going on exactly. there. Yeah. yeah. If we want to learn more about uh, Scampia, would you recommend any articles or media or anything really just well, to make us understand? I haven't checked myself in, I don't know the quantity of, it, of them, but I think there are plenty of articles about Scampia. Uh, I'm not sure if they are available in Danish, but in English there are plenty of them. I, I will imagine there are plenty of uh, texts, uh, videos about Scampia, and then of course you can say, okay, is that a trustworthy source or not? And then I will judge the source before I go on reading, because um, there are lots of uh, bloggers and bloggers that just you know perhaps want to write about it, not with the best intentions, just you know to say, well, look at this, wow, 
the most da- yeah the most dangerous, dangerous. <laughs> the superlative I mean it's it's an area that's been uh, subject to superlatives like most dangerous most this most that and uh, uh, which is which often happens with places that suddenly become very uh, either famous or infamous uh, notorious right so uh, at the end of the day it's it's a very unfortunate area. That's what we need to think about, because it's people living. You know, it's 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 here. It's uh, it's, it's not on a different planet. It's in it's it's on this planet. It's in Europe, so we can even relate to it even more than we could do with a place very far away, geographically and culturally. Uh, it's in the EU. Hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we can relate to it, right? And we must. One thing that's important is that we must relate to it. We can't just say, "Well, it's down there. Who cares?" Because uh, Nowadays, it's there. In twenty years, it might be in Malmo or somewhere else, right? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I think it's all uh, the when you think about dark tourism, it's also it it should be also an eye opener to to teach you something about recent history. We're not talking about Second World War here. We're talking about you know twenty years ago and thirty years ago, forty years ago. So it's very recent. Um, it can teach you something about urban urbanization, uh, urban planning, architecture, how architecture can really create or not create a space of welcoming atmosphere in an area, how you can use architecture to conduct criminal activities as well. There are lots of dimensions in Campia that uh, are not voiced. If, say, if you just go there for this mafia, okay, well done, right? <laughs> You win the prize of superficiality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I think uh, that was very well encompassing of it all. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much yeah. for your You're time. Welcome. Thank you.